Hi, this is Brendan Davis from Bedrock Games and the Bedrock Blog, and I'm here with Adam and Joel for another episode of Horror Express, and we're continuing our tri uh, the trilogy of faith, or the faith trilogy from William Peter Blatty. This is the uh, Exorcist, uh, the Ninth Configuration, and Exorcist Three or Legion. Uh, and so today we're doing the Exorcist because we went in reverse order. And, uh, you know, for those who don't know, it's I, I probably don't even need to do this introduction for it. But The Exorcist is a 1973 film directed by William Friedkin, screenplay by William Peter Blatty. And it's based on the novel from 1971 of the same name. And in the story, it's about a 12 year old girl who's possessed by a mysterious entity. And her mother seeks the help of two Catholic priests to save her. Um, more complicated than that. But that's the basic rundown. Um, you know, it, I don't know where to begin with this one. Uh, this is the last in our in our series on The Exorcist. So uh, maybe just your initial reactions to watching it again. I know that I think both of you have seen it before. So. I think everyone's seen this movie or, yeah. or has absorbed it through cultural osmosis. And I, I want to point out that, like, this is a movie that, like, as far as my personal history with films, my mom used to talk to me about how, like, the scariest movies she's ever watched. And this was one of the ones she would always mention having watched in theaters when she was a kid. And like, so even as a young man, like every Halloween, I got to get entertained by stories of like this legendary movie where this little kid had like, like her skin bubbling and like her head would mm -hmm. spin around and she'd all this crazy stuff where she'd like crab walk backwards downstairs. And it was just this, this living nightmare of a movie. So like it had a legend long before I actually got to see it. Um, and then I, I saw it first when I was a young man. I was like 20-something. And I was really impressed with it even then. And it was an old movie back when I was 21. And now I'm seeing it again, and I realize just how much of it I missed the first time. I mean, like, because like, there's a lot of, like, very unusual scenes in this movie. Like, the very the very opening is pretty unusual. I'm sure we'll get to it. Uh, but it, it holds together if you watch the whole movie and pay attention, which is something I wasn't used to when I was a young man. The, the opening sequence in Iraq where he's... Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you're like, what does this have to do with anything? And you're like, yeah. oh, wait, no. This has to do with everything. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah Adam, how about you? Yeah, I'll, I'll also chime in. My mother, uh, being older than you, my mother was a huge fan of the book, <laughs> which came out around the same time I was born. And uh, she would she would talk about this book all the time. She read this book when I was a baby, so it meant that she spent it like was freaking her out from that perspective. <clears throat> and you know, as you said, we've we've all seen this movie before. I'm watching it again. The thing I find with this movie is that frequently teenagers are like, "It's not scary. It's stupid. It's yeah. the special effects look fake." The older you get, when you have either have kids or you have relatives with kids, where you're in some way responsible for kids makes this movie a lot more terrifying because you're yeah. you, you're just seeing it more as, when you're a teenager you just don't relate to the mother as much you don't have that yeah. connection I, and, oh go ahead go ahead oh yeah i'm just saying it, it so this is actually a strange case where a movie becomes harder to watch the old, i mean just like the hospital scenes in this movie yeah. alone are really hard to watch from uh seeing a kid's suffer perspective well, well, we should have that as our first topic, I think. I'll just answer my own question before we do. But I think because it came up in both of your answers, and I think it's inevitable, we'll talk about the scariness factor of the film. Um, for me, I think I'm similar to you, Adam. I grew up, it was in the culture everywhere growing up. Like, this was probably the most referenced movie of all. Yeah. This and The Godfather were the two most referenced, I think, at the time that I was growing up. And uh, I, I, 
so I, you know, I heard about it from my mom and her family the same way that you would have. And then I, I sat down to watch it consciously, probably early high school is when I first remember like sitting down and watching it. And yeah, I remember really running right. out and getting the book and reading the book and being really into it when it first, like when I first watched it. Yeah, I um, was, I was the other way around because like, like up till I kind of reached middle school, like halfway through middle school, I was really terrified of horror movies. And so it was okay. like reading horror books. I was like, okay, I could handle that mm. a little more. So it was like, you know, as my mother was a fan of the book, the book was just sitting on the shelf in the house. So one day I just took it down and read it. And I didn't actually get to the movie though much later. I mean, okay. having read the book and the imagery of the movie being so prevalent, when I did watch the movie, I was like, oh yeah, I've never seen this. I just kind of felt like I had. I mean, the book and the movie are pretty similar. So it's, yeah. you know, but, um, yeah. but, but yeah, so in terms of the scary, I mean, I think it's one of those ones where uh, the way that movies make people afraid evolve a little bit. So obviously there's that. But I also <laughs> think that the argument that this movie is, somehow tame doesn't i don't think that holds no. water for me because it's scary on a much deeper level than like a jump scare or yeah having a ferocious creature it, it's the, i think the one that you pointed to is the most scary where it's just like because of the way the movie is shot because it's all sort of we're just sort of watching her get all these tests and all this you know the, it, it's scary because it feels so clinical and it feels so real as it's as it's happening it doesn't feel well, like yeah and a lot of the dark elements in this it's stuff like you know father Karis not being able to take care of his mother because he yeah. became a priest instead it's like when you're a teenager not being able to care for your parents is just not a thing that resonates or yeah. the older you get the more that stuff really hits you yeah. and there's a lot of existential fear in this movie because it's about yeah. sort of this priest who's losing his faith because he's learned so much about psychiatry. Right. And so, yeah. and, 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 and even up until the very end of the movie, most of the characters don't even think the exorcism is, a, they're just looking at it as shock treatment, similar to the ninth configuration where, you know, including that priest. So there's this, yeah. there's this sense that this horrible inexplicable thing is happening to this young person, but it's 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 all sort of it's all kind it, it's like i guess the question is is it is it is it meaningless is it because the world is meaningless and it's just a byproduct of biology or is it because there's some deep evil in the world that is you know uh that is terrifying in its own right and well, in, in mysterious because there's no yeah. reason the, the the wonderful thing about this movie and i say wonderful but it's it's actually quite horrifying is that there's not really any explanation that the the movie even dares to offer for its events it's like okay so there was a statue in iraq and it was of a horrific monster from an ancient and unknowable time and guess what that same demon is now possessing a random girl and i like that it's random you know i yeah. like that we don't understand the process we can't understand the process by which this poor kid comes to be the recipient of this stomach churning horror I, and like it doesn't back away from it at all it's so wonderfully naked in its portrayal of this monstrous internal violation of this kid ah oh, god the balls on this movie to do this yeah. when it did yeah well, it's i think too what it is is it, it is the restraint the way that it's so restrained with the supernatural 
Okay, so mm -hmm. one of the reasons why modern viewers don't find it scary is because it doesn't do stuff like the nun or like, you know, it doesn't have these things where you have this like <laughs> this visibly demonic evil thing in the movie that's, you know, and it's not filled with all kinds of like special effects that we would expect. And also even for the time, it doesn't use a lot of music. Like even for the time that this was made, it's not yeah. creating a lot of horror ambiance. You can watch other horror movies, but we saw Rosemary's Baby like last year or something, right? And that's filled with ambiance and stuff that lets oh, yeah. you know you're supposed to be afraid. This movie doesn't do that because it doesn't want you to feel like you're in a horror movie. It wants you to feel like you're in the real world. And so when all the stuff that's happening supernatural at first, it's highly dismissible. You can say, oh, that was weird, but maybe it's because she's crazy or maybe it's because of this. And ev even some of the things that wouldn't seem explainable, kind of like when the drawer first opens, do you know what I mean? It's like, well, that's that's weird, but maybe, you know, she wasn't able to do it a second time. So maybe there's a maybe there's an alternative explanation to why it happened. You know, like maybe maybe right, you know, it could be a coincidence. And, yeah. and that's the thing. It things like that do happen there. This movie is brilliant in how it attacks the modern mind. And it says, OK, yeah. you don't think you have faith. You don't think you have a religion. But yeah. you do. You well, believe is, in the material. You believe yeah. in the mundane. You believe in the scientific method. You believe your priests are these doctors and you're going to them and your faith is being tried right now. Your faith is being tried. And the horror that you're fighting is beyond your faith's ability to stop it. And it might be beyond all faith's ability to stop it because at the end, I mean, like, and not to spoil it, but the exorcism sort of goes south. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, the, 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 the number one rule you learn from this movie is don't send an exorcist with a heart condition to, to deal with the, to do the exorcism. Dude, that was the only guy there for the job. Well, well, the thing is, too, it's, well, I mean, obviously, too, the guy's left alone. I mean, uh, the way it goes south is also Karis, like, not being able to follow, don't talk to the demon. Yeah, That's yeah. the one don't rule, talk the don't talk demon. to him. And so he gets don't kicked touch out the of the box. room. And we don't even really see what happens to the the actual exorcist because yeah. he's out of the room. So it's uh, yeah. but it but it is. I mean, it, I I really find it fascinating the way it's like the the main priest we've been dealing with in the movie basically does everything wrong, and what he does at the very end of the movie is kind of this desperate bid to make up for oh, yeah. all his screw ups. Poorly yeah. planned bank heist of exorcisms. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> It was a Hail Mary. I just realized that. Yeah, I, I, I <laughs> was in my head earlier, and I'm like, oh, I won't go for that. But no, uh, allow me, sir. Exactly. But I do. I agree with Joel's point, which I think it it works around doubt, and it can apply to both the psychiatry and the science, and to the religious side of it. And I think mm -hmm. it's it's equally effective in both of those arenas in the movie because it's not you you. I mean, it's I I feel it's pretty clear. It's an exorcism, and there's a demon involved. But there's yeah. still enough room of doubt throughout the movie that, you I know. I think in the last it, scenes there is. I think in the last scenes yeah. it's like, no, this is beyond our comprehension. Well, one, well, thing, one, enough... thing, one thing in oh, the book ahead. versus movie comparison, if I recall, I, I, I think I like some people ding it for the fact that, oh, well, he gets the green eyes at the end and yeah. everything. And like it makes it concrete that, oh, well, he must have yeah. taken a demon. Whereas in the book, I, I recall it being much more ambiguous about yeah. what happened the, in that final scene. The, the book really delves into and I, I reread the book about two months ago i want to say which unfortunately my brain i'm not gonna you know i'm not, I, I'm, I'm still forgetting things so uh yeah. but but i think that uh um 
it delved much deeper into the whole thing of okay, they need to they need to like actually prove that this is uh, qualifies and meets the requirements of exorcism, and a lot of the stuff like the like the scene where he throws the holy water on is not really holy water. There's mm-hmm. a few different little things like that where it's like. On the one hand, the explanation is, well, it's a demon that's deliberately trying to deceive you, and that's why it's doing that. It's giving you, like, 50% of the truth and 50% lies. But on the other hand, there's enough doubt sown with those kinds of things. Uh, that, I, like, I like the demon's refusal to ever prove anything. Because yes. on the one hand, you think, oh, the demons go, yeah, I'm a demon. Look, I can do this. But, it, you know, that would also could, could propel his faith by going, oh, this is definitely a demon. I'm going to turn to God. So it... it yeah. It, uh, it's 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 got a great. I feel like the demon, assuming there is a demon, has this this good reason for not proving itself. Well, and yeah. it's learned how to to sow enough doubt again for a modern mind that yeah. there's that ambiguity that keeps you from actually being able to turn purely to faith. Exactly. Um, that's pretty well, great. Yeah. Well, the other interesting thing is if you if you reject the supernatural explanations in the movie, it's actually even more horrifying because then you have a twelve year old girl that murdered this Hollywood director by throwing him out the window. Right. So it's, it's, there's not really any, any of the conclusions you could come to are going to be bad, which is also interesting. But the thing that I find horrifying about it is really like those MRI scenes. Yeah. I think just, just the, any, any, anybody who's been through any medical thing, I think, I think a young person isn't going to have, isn't as likely to have this experience of you have a medical condition that they cannot zero in on. And mm-hmm. so you have to go through a battery of tests and they don't understand, like they don't do the thing where they inject the dye into your neck anymore. Now I think it, when I've had MRIs, they've been injected through an IV in my wrist. Yeah. Some, so of, some not, of this stuff is pretty old. Yeah. So. That was pretty barbaric. Some, But it's not much better. Like if you, you know, you well, have to. The stuff yeah. they, I've had them. The stuff they injected me with burned my veins. Yeah. Like fire. <laughs> I mean, and you have to literally... drink like a gallon of iodine and variety. Uh, you know, it depends yeah. on like, I think it's barium if you're getting the, um, the, I don't know, there's two different drinks. One for Yeah, and God forbid you have a reaction to the barium. I actually had a grandmother who uh, had to go in for something, and she had a reaction to the barium, and it, it whenever they took it out of her, it would form into, like, these sharp shards. Yeah, so, I remember the doctor, right before he injected me, he's like, this could do really horrible things to you, but just to reassure you, yeah. you are in the hospital already, I, so you're in the best possible place. It's like... Okay, great. I just probably should have told me that, sir. <laughs> <laughs> I would have been I, fine dying in ignorance. <laughs> I built up a reaction to the. I, I had a bunch of CAT scans, and by the third one, I threw up on the third. Like the, the you know when it gets the, it kind of goes up your body and gets to your heart, and you feel it at your heart. When yeah. it got to that point, I just started vomiting right away. Oh. And uh, I love that this is the podcast of old men. We're all like, oh, yeah, but, my cast scan. But no, but here's the thing. This Jesus. is why this is relevant. Sh- oh, she had it bad. I had it worse than her. No, the reason yeah. this is relevant is because this movie 100% captures that feeling yeah. of dread oh, yeah. that you have getting yeah. tests, well, or, being in the hospital. You know, here's here's, here's one you guys it. haven't had that I have. If you've had a kid who's had to go in through one of those things, oh, both of my God. kids have at one no. point. I, it's, I, I've been, I haven't done oh. my kid. My, I'm very close with my nephews. Oh, yeah. Okay. Maybe you. Yeah. Yeah, you're yeah. right. You and your nephews are super close. Yeah, <laughs> it's a real it's a real Scrooge McDuck kind of scenario with you guys. <laughs> but the, but, the, but, but that's but I think that's something yeah, the movie that's that's like a Scrooge McDuck, but whatever. But that's that's a kind of horror that you you can't capture with jump scares. You can't <clears throat> capture with making no, it all it's, menacing. It's got to be very dry. Um, yeah, it's, it's psychologically 
uncomfortable and and hurtful in a way that's unique to it. And the movie understands that and it understands the nuance of those kinds of horror experiences. You know, and watching also, someone you love go through this stuff is heart wrenching. There's there's another weird argument about this movie that I I keep hearing, and it's that people don't believe in the devil anymore so therefore the devil isn't scary but that's like the stupidest argument for a horror I, movie not being scary because nobody well, believes in werewolves either and nobody yeah, believes I, in zombies well, it's, it's a known but, fact that that this movie was one of the movies that helped set off the whole satanic panic so the yeah. the whole <laughs> i'm not deliberately but i mean it is linked to the satanic panic of the yeah, no, people so definitely like believe say, in the devil oh well nobody <laughs> believes in the devil no this this movie really <laughs> helped people believe in the devil no that's <laughs> true but i think i think their argument would be is since that time belief in anything like that has evaporated enough that People wouldn't be as afraid of it. People, going people to see. forget this. The yeah. '60s was when this movie was released. Was very similar yeah. to the time we're living yeah. in now. You know, yeah. there was a bunch of rebellious youth. There was an unpopular war. People were turning more and more away from the church and towards atheism. And like that's the kind of modern cynical attitude that this movie yeah. just yeah. shot full of holes. Because it's it, like, no, you're an animal in the core. You know, you have you're a spiritual being whether you want to be or not. And you know it, and this movie knows how to prove to you that you are. Yeah. So, like, yeah, there's a reason things like this yeah. and Rosemary's Baby resonated so deep with us. We have those feelings. They're yeah. real to yeah. us. That's <clears throat> our reality, whether or not we want to think of ourselves as modern creatures it's, or not. It's kind of targeting the mind of somebody who is having the same doubts that Karis is having or his his or is a secular person in the way that Karis is learning all of these secular things of psychiatry and apply it and and not believing in any of the things that are happening in the in the movie so yeah. i think that i think that's a valid a very valid point too and, and like oh, you man, said at the, at the at that time because i i had parents that lived through the 60s and i read all the books that they had on the shelf from when they came of age and if you read those books you, it was a weird collage of, <laughs> of different beliefs but in there were a lot of like very skeptical uh books towards religion and in favor of you know new ideas coming out of the social sciences and stuff so i think that you know that this movie very much embodies a lot of that um and skepticism towards religion is a pretty common thing in america in the last like 50 to 100 years yeah. So mm -hmm. I think, yeah, so I, I just, but also I just think not believing in something doesn't preclude you from being afraid of it. I don't believe in the boogeyman, but I, I, I thought <laughs> that I will scary. pump my shotgun yeah. full of bullets yeah. before I open that son of a bitch. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Die, boogeyman. Well, I think fear is I not rational. Your pain. Yeah. Fear, fear is just not rational. So well, going, well, I, I can logic my way out of being scared. It's like, oh, no, no, nobody a, a good horror movie gets you to jettison all of that stuff and say, oh, wait, maybe I don't know as much as I think I know. Jerry, that's sort of so. Well, no, it gets know. you to acknowledge the fact that, of course, you don't, you moron. You just use that to make yourself feel safe and in control of situations. But yeah. what I mean is it's yeah, like it's exactly. that feeling you get if you like go into a basement and all of a sudden you realize it's dark and there might be something in there oh. with you that, you know, that kind of a thing. The thing, um, well, I, I always think of the person in a role-playing form when Call of Cthulhu, the role-playing game, gets brought up is always <laughs> like, well, I know that there's there's nothing and the universe is meaningless, so nothing like that can scare me. And it's like, 
Okay, that's, that's, that's really the nihilist from the Big Lebowski. We believe yeah. in nothing, Lebowski. Every yeah. single time, that's how I hear it. Exactly. Well, you know what it is to be. That's that's somebody who. That's like when people tell me they're not afraid of death. Do you know what I mean? It's like, yeah, yes, like, you are. If you believe in nothing, fine, but like, don't tell me you're not afraid of nothing because it's yeah. You know, I feel it's like pretty I've scary. made a lot of I've made a lot of peace with death, but if you pointed yeah. a gun at me, yeah. I'm still gonna be scared shitless. That's uh, just I the way you that I'm work. a coward. Like, I... so <laughs> the other thing I want to talk about I is what old, I am. I want to talk about old Max von Sydow in this movie. Sydow, yeah. sorry, because he's um. He's really old. Now, when I first saw this movie, I didn't really know who Max von Sydow was until this, until I saw the movie. I probably saw films with him before seeing it, but it wasn't like he was a person that was, you know, in my head as an actor. And so I I thought that he was just an old guy. I didn't know he was in old makeup. And <laughs> and I thought he just aged really well whenever I saw him in other movies. And it, uh -huh. wasn't, it like, wasn't until like five years ago that I found out, no, he was like, he was an old guy makeup in this film. Um, so yeah, I've, done, I've done a lot of theater, so I, I picked up on the makeup thing. I was just like, yeah, yeah your eyes are sharper than mine, theater kid. <laughs> I mean, now that I know to look for it, I can see it, but I, I think he did a pretty good job of playing an old guy for, you oh, know, he, he give was it, good. Give it, yeah, he was very convincing with his just his perception of frailty in this movie. Yeah, this, it totally comes through. You are, you are you are like, oh man, this guy's not gonna gonna make it through. Yeah. There's no way. Well, he he's uh, like the ultimate glass cannon. He's like a he's the strongest, <laughs> most reliable character who is so frail he could die any moment. And if yeah. he dies, everything's gonna just unravel. So it's this. It's like this this thing that they introduce from the very beginning of the movie that it just like makes you uneasy through the last 30 minutes of the film because you know oh no this guy this is not the guy that should be doing this they they should have picked a younger person somewhere um, uh, yeah it, i love the in this is again a similar role playing game since we're all revealing our nerd cards uh there's, there's a legend of the five rings yeah. quote that really works with the max von set out character this which is sometimes a job is given to you because you're the only person that can do it <laughs> well and also, i love I, that i, I don't know that he was the only know. person i think he was the person that they there must have been other people, but not. I would say there? one thing. One thing I'd bring up: it shows that the people that assigned him were not taking the idea seriously enough yeah. that he was going yeah. face to face. They're like, "Okay, he's done extras for have him do this little ritual." <laughs> it's like they're they're not this they're not considered as a life or death mission. To answer your question, Joel, my impression is there's probably a handful of guys that they could have selected from, and he was one of the ones that was most prominent in their mind. Yeah. And the only reason that they didn't not select him is because he's like, isn't he old? And he's like, well, but he's jumping around doing yeah. digs in Iraq. So he must be OK. That was that yeah. was enough to get him through the process that Adam was talking about. And the yeah. thing I like about that process is it does get into the bureaucracy of it and how removed these higher ups are from the situation. And yeah. it's just Karis and and Father Marin who are, you know, going into the fire and dealing with it. Um and obviously that, I mean, it was, if, if they had just, if they even just had one other priest sent there or somebody sent as a, as muscle or something, they might've been okay. But because they it's, just. It's hard to uh, say. Cause I mean, really having, I mean, cause Karis was to some extent a liability he while he was there. So I'm saying it, having it, one other person could have been an even bigger liability. Yeah. I mean, I suppose, but, I, you, but you, wouldn't. With the oh, human element, you always introduce the liability too. 
Harris was the muscle and he was a the bigger liability. And also he's the guy that threw the, what was effectively the game winning touchdown. So like, yeah, it's hard to like. It's it's a situation that got so chaotic and was so yeah. unpredictable. I don't know that there was a right decision. It, it did go sideways fast. Well, he sideways he, he does end fast. up. He has a punching a little girl over and over and over again. Which is uh, it was the correct move. So you can't <laughs> well, say well, it was. well, here's the interesting thing about that. He's punching her, and he's clearly <clears throat> not possessed. Like he's in possession of his will when he does. Yeah. So he it's clearly revenge. God's work. <laughs> and, and 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 as much as you could say, oh, it's because of Father Marin, I think it's more because of his mother than Father Marin. Because yeah, the only that, other time we see him punching anything is when his mother dies I earlier agree. in the film. I agree. So beautiful, a beautifully symmetrical series of shots, too, with those two. Because they're in yeah. very different parts of the movie, near the beginning, near the end. It's the same motivation. It's, uh, it's beautiful. The same action. Absolutely gorgeous. There's so much of that in this movie. Like, we, we've only scratched the surface of talking about this. Like, I could honestly talk about, like, the cinematography, your use of music that you're talking yeah. about. Like, what was it? Tubular Bells is the name of that song? Yeah, and it, it only appears in, like, one little tiny scene that's not even, like, a... It's just, like, a... I mean, it's, it's kind of scary. Street, isn't it? Yeah. Well, yeah, but it's <laughs> yeah. not, like, an ominous... There's, like, an ominous sense, like, oh, something is... Yeah. I, I feel like that scene is maybe what... Uh, John Carpenter was thinking of with Halloween. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. like oh, yeah. I feel like he took that scene. He's like, I'm going to make a movie that's like 100% that scene. Yeah. But the 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 rest you know of the movie. Crazy? Huh? <laughs> you know what's kind of crazy about Tubular Bells is that the guy kept writing it long after yeah. that yeah, was he done. Was, like, he, the guy he wrote did that for like 30 years. Wow. Yeah. Tubular Bells, you can find different versions of it every year yeah. from that yeah. guy because he just I keeps writing that. it. <laughs> and the way that it was originally recorded is crazy too, because it would it like the recording on that style of recording. It's not like now where they have like you can like erase a note on a computer and it, yeah, it, yeah, nothing yeah. like that. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I, I, honestly, it felt very John Carpenter when I listened to the music, and I, I hadn't, yeah. I never made that connection before. But listening to it this well, last time, that was like tip of my mind because we just watched Halloween not too terribly long ago, yeah. and I love John Carpenter, so I watch his stuff all the time and. Yeah, there's something about his stuff where he kind of sees music as wallpaper. And I think that's a fair reading of the use of John Carpenter's music. Like, you know, but like with this one, it, it almost had the same innocuousness as Muzak, but it also had an ominousness. Yeah. Like it was both benign and dangerous. It, it was a walking down the street scene, but you knew that some it's it, it feels like a I don't know what the word is, but. And I and I have I I didn't take good enough notes to know if this is correct, but it feels like that's like shortly before the movie moves into more dangerous territory, if that yeah. makes sense. Yeah. Um. So, but yeah, but 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 overall, the movie's got. It feels like it almost doesn't have music most of the time. Do you know what I mean? If it does, it's very. Well, well a lot of the music is more atmospheric than yeah. you know melodic, so it's just kind of strange, unsettling noise in the background at times. So. But uh, but yeah, so I guess um, Kinderman and Dryer is another uh, or Dyer. Mm. I give you I keep hearing his Dryer or Dyer, but the it's Father Dyer, it's it? a Father Father Dyer. So yeah. so Father Dyer and 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 Kinderman, you know, we 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 meet up with them again in Exorcist Three, and so I think going in reverse order, it's kind of fun because it's like, well, yeah. okay, how well does the original <clears throat> concept line up with what we eventually get to? I don't always find that amusing to go back and you know when they build on something you, 
you can tell like, okay, yeah, they weren't really thinking this far ahead, or maybe they were thinking this far ahead. And, um, you know, well, and obviously the different actors, so it makes things very different too. Um, well, I, they are different actors. So I, the the emotional resonance is very much there in, in the last one. I, I think that if you look at the connective tissue between the movies, you really can only look at the scenes with the priests and the ones that are, revolve around the exorcism and the way the, the demon works. Um, and I, I honestly... And maybe this is just a trick of my brain, but I'm remembering I'm remembering Legion and I, I especially that scene where he's talking about how like your friend's brain was mush and I had to put it back together and then I dug myself out and went on this killing spree and blah blah blah. And it's just like, yeah, actually that feels about that feels about right. And like it thinks and talks the same way this demon does, you know, it has that same kind of um it's the same kind of horror. It's coming from the same place. And the, the, some part of the consistency of that is in the same author. But, like, it, it does feel like the same thing. Like, we're still fighting the same monster and the same kind of battle. <clears throat> and, again, that movie ends with this, like... <laughs> the exorcism is just almost theater. You know, it's yeah. this clash of wills before this, like, dirty street fight-esque end to things. Yeah, and that's obviously that's not the that's not the ending that the uh, writer wanted. That was the ending that they kind of made him do. Oh, he can uh, get pinned though. I hate the ending yeah. he wanted. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, but I mean, just an important distinction, it. just in terms of, um, uh, you know what, you know what, what the like the the source material. But um, look, as a creative but, and and a very vain one, I can tell you that sometimes we do get in our own way. Oh no, I I agree with you. I, I I prefer the I I like. So number one, the guy who plays the Exorcist in the third movie isn't he the guy that played Merlin? I think in Excalibur, it was, I think it's the same actor. Oh, what was the uh, last time I saw Excalibur? I have no idea. <laughs> I don't know, but I forget the guy's name. But I always loved him as Merlin. So you know, you know. But, but I I just think that that has such a stylistic feel to it that it works and it adds it it, it, it and also I I I read the book uh you know about two months ago as well and. I didn't think the the ending was interesting, but it's more intellectually interesting and satisfying than cinematically interesting and satisfying. So I think that uh, I think that it was the right call. I agree with you. Um, yeah. But uh, but OK, so what uh, I guess we want to <laughs> talk gonna, about jump all over the place here. Well, it's, you know, we've sort of so we should really... mention all three of us just had COVID. So there's, you know, <laughs> yeah. I, I still have COVID. I still have COVID. So this is a, <clears throat> this is very much a shaking off the ring rust kind of a, um, episode. Yeah, it, tomorrow is my last day of isolation. Um, and I am feeling a lot better, but like, yeah, part of the, the COVID is the COVID fog. Like your, your brain just does not want to work the same way. This I, is not a great time for me to work on my tech edit. I, I feel like uh, when I had the vaccine, my, my I was just like cloudy. Is how I remember. That's kind of how I feel now. Um, yeah, it goes away, but like ugh, during during the during the cloud, it is unfortunate. But the, but yeah, the other th oh, go ahead. You're not even really interacted with like the structure of this movie at all. Like, because watching it's such an interesting experience. I it was so weird to watch it again. I watched it with my girlfriend, and both of us were kind of just baffled by the way this movie paces itself and the order it puts its scenes. It's like so. It's it's very not Hollywood, you know. It, it's it's a very different kind of film. Well, I think it's almost a commentary on Hollywood. Like the 
one of the main characters is a drunken Hollywood director, and she's an actress <laughs> making a movie. I and I, fe- I feel, and, 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 well, and he's like been a, working in Hollywood for over ten years by this point, like as a screenwriter. So it's it's not surprising he has some yeah. accurate shots to take it uh, Hollywood figures. And, and yeah, also and, the fact that Friedkin, he was like a, a documentary filmmaker, right? So yeah. he comes in from I think like almost a different school of thought, and it just yeah. feels like. You know, like it just something about it feels like is is there some commentary on 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 Hollywood, and and I think that's why we're not getting a Hollywood horror movie too. I think that's well, it, you know, yeah, documentary. I I could see the documentary from this. It feels so matter of fact when you're seeing the scenes. You know, it feels sequential. Like there, yeah. there's not a lot of confusion in time. It's very, it, it's paced like I think we noted this uh, before the podcast started. It's paced like the novel it's based off. You know. Yeah, and, and novels yeah. have this way of pacing where they just kind of they give you these these bigger scenes that are more character driven, and there's because it's a novel, there's a lot more internality about it. The internal lives yeah. of the uh, of the characters are part of what informs your understanding of the world. Lacking that in this, there's a sort of pregnancy that fills the scenes, and it allows the actors to wordlessly convey the internal life of the characters, and it's really rich. Whenever you whenever you go and watch it, like. And I was constantly struck by just like the enormity of the presence of the actors' internal lives whenever they were like saying very, very few things. And then the camera would just linger on them and you just get their facial expression and some body language and like some maybe incidental acting, like smoking a cigarette or something. And it just pushed so much of the emotional turmoil of characters yeah. to the fore. It's incredible. Well, it did the groundwork. It did the groundwork like with, with Damien, uh, you know, Father Karras. You know about his situation with his mother, and there's so much that weight to all of that. Time. Yeah, <clears throat> so well, that it's yeah. I mean, a lot of movies too. Modern movies gets too carried away with the Chekhov's gun thing, where every single thing is a piece of the story. And like in this, yeah. when Kinderman's talking to Karis, there's that whole little sideline. I was like, hey, I like movies, and I always have extra dinners. You want to? He's trying well, to like befriend him, which is yeah. Well, go ahead. I was going to say, what's interesting about that is, 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 again, that gets into the ninth configuration and the Exorcist 3 thing where there's so many pop culture references running through this and so True. many film references. Um, with the Kinderman character, what, what I find funny about him in this movie is he's almost more like a French detective or like an Italian detective. than yeah. like, Do you know what I mean? He's got yeah. that kind of a vibe. But the George C. Scott version is much more of like a, you know, like northeastern american style detective so yeah, I, I get what you're saying yeah but uh but yeah I, I think that stuff too i mean that the kinderman stuff is important still but yeah it's not like it all, saying it's not important it, it actually is good i like that i like that it just takes a moment to humanize these characters mm-hmm. a little bit i like that it has time to breathe there's like a real conversation happening not just a i must import this plot point in the conversation yeah. that you import yours and we're done and but I, what i feel oh go ahead lens for efficiency that that always bothers me that feeling that like everything must serve a purpose yeah how life works life is a yeah. boring messy affair i feel like these characters could go to a grocery store i never get that feeling from modern movies yeah yeah i feel yeah. like if, if he has a function in the story it's that there's a murder that ha- potentially a murder that happens. There has to be somebody. Oh, he has a function in the story. Yeah, I'm yeah. not. I'm not even arguing. But, I mean, the, the pressure he kind of has by closing in is what sets a lot of yeah. things off. But, but to add to your point, I think on top of that, what happens is they're like, well, let's make him interesting. Also, exactly. and so making him interesting doesn't necessarily have to 
add additional like that doesn't have to go anywhere later in the film it's just he's an interesting character um yeah. he's, he's it, almost got oh go ahead it's, i mean it's just it's just the he, he, that he, he's looking for this friend to go to movies with is it just it humanizes him it's like, <laughs> well, this, guy's, like this guy's a little bit lonely he he can't talk to his wife about movies you know it's <laughs> and there's also like a lot of fun dialogue there's a scene where Father Karras says, has anybody ever told you you look like Paul Newman? And he's like, yeah, always. Yeah. Oh. And he looks nothing, nothing Glad, like Paul Newman. has got an act for snap dialogue. There's yeah. no no question. Oh, that's the thing. It's like realistic, but it, it still has this polish to it, the professional polish. It's not like he's just rambling, yeah. blah, blah, and the, blah. The other thing that I don't think is clear from the movies that is clearer in the books is that Kinderman is Jewish and you don't see that in the movies so much. So no. that's, you know, but it's an important part of his character in the books. Um, so I, I guess, uh, what would be something else we want to talk about here? You had mentioned something about missed nuances, Joel. Uh, well, we're, we're kind of dovetailing that in, in this conversation too. We're like, there's a lot you sort of miss about the movie or, or I missed about the movie watching it as a young man, because I think that there, there's different kinds of like frames of reference people sort of inherit and they don't think about, especially when they're in their like early twenties. Um, where like you'll watch a movie and then you'll kind of be subconsciously comparing it to your internal library of movies. And like that yeah. makes up your language of cinema. And this movie is nothing like almost any other movie in existence. Uh, it's, it's just, it's so uniquely itself, you know, and it's, it's very smart. It's very cerebral and it's very, it, it demands you pay attention to it. And it demands yeah. that you think about and engage with it. And yeah. like most pieces of art that exist that are that 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 are demanding the longer you live and the more horrors you have to drag yourself through the more you come to this movie with an appreciation for what it's trying to communicate so well, now as a much older man uh, who's been through a lot of pain in his life i come to this movie and i'm like oh that's what this guy is going through i get uh -huh. it this, this man's mother died in, in circumstances that were kind of past his control, but they weren't always because there was a point in his life where he made decisions that made them past his control. And he has a guilt that he he's uncomfortably living with as a result of this. And he doesn't really have a lot of say in that guilt. Like, that's a weird particular what? circumstance, right? That I've never lived through in one for one. But the, the archetype of that circumstance, I didn't understand at 20. I hadn't gotten yeah, to the yeah. point where I'd had to make decisions about the course of the remainder of my life and stick with them. And then later on had to deal with consequences of the, oh, you know, having you. someone else because of my decisions. Yeah. Um, and that can tear you apart in a way where it's like, this was my fault, but like, I really couldn't control it at the point where I could see the problem. Yeah. It's but also everybody, everybody by our age loses a family member. Everybody by our age at least understands the, the problem of having relatives that like want to live at home and don't want to be put in it, you know, like uh, yeah. I've, I've been, I've been watching, I've been watching uh, reaction videos of the Sopranos for some reason lately. I don't know why, <laughs> but you know, one of the early themes in that show is that, you know, the, the mother doesn't want to go to a nursing home kind of a thing. And so like, and this is a kind of similar type of thing where she wants to stay at home. And there's something, I think, especially if you're like an old world family and they kind of, he's kind of an old world character where he's clearly like, you know, the son of a, of, a, of Greek immigrants, um, where the idea of sending her to a home is, is this abominable thing. But then because he can't be with her and she's at home, she ends up dying alone and rotting for two days or something. And it just, 
you know, rips them apart. So yeah, uh, it's just, I mean, yeah, well, all, most of the women on the mother's side, my mother's side of the family lived to be over 100. So it's uh, it's something I really get. I really get. But yeah, also, I thought that, that relationship, I thought, was done really well. Like just the mother, it was a very, the acting in it between him and her was very believable. It just worked as a, you know, like sometimes you, yeah. when movies try to introduce like, oh, this is like a mom and a son and you're supposed to feel bad because the mom dies. You don't feel it because it just doesn't feel genuine. But this felt like a like a real mother and son relationship to me. Just yeah, the, 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 the Hollywood thing would be to make the uh, make the mother like, oh, the mother's going to die. We want him to feel bad. So let's make her super sympathetic and super nice or something. Or, no. you know, <laughs> I mentioned you before the podcast started to bring it up again. Like the the mother and not his mother, the like the you know i'm blanking on her name but uh the actress oh, oh yeah the actress yeah okay the, different mom i mean they don't go out of the way to make her sympathetic she is a yeah. sharp person she's like abusive yeah. to operators on the phone she's yeah. she's she's a jerk a lot of the time but she is yeah. a sympathetic character just because we understand well, what she's going yeah, through my, my girlfriend doesn't... described her as a, as a karen i was like no <laughs> i yeah I, sorry I feel man like that's... that's not okay She's not complaining about a dry cleaning bill. Her kid is dying. <laughs> yeah, I think, I mean, I think, I think to Adam's point, like even when Father Karras first meets her and she doesn't know that he's Father Karras because he's not dressed as a priest, she's like, oh, go away, right? So we see yeah. sides of her that are abrasive and entitled. Yeah. I think, Very I think human. what's interesting, but what's interesting to me is how you have these two characters, her and Father Karras, who both have a family member that they care for where something bad is happening to them. And yeah. Father Karras, this poor priest who really, has no power in the world to help his mother. And she's this actress that has all the power in the world and teams of doctors, and she's still unable. It's 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 both an interesting contrast because obviously Karis's situation, he's more powerless. It's more uh, you know, well, they're equally to, powerless. That, they're, that's one of the yeah. genius things about this movie. In, in the face of this inevitability, it doesn't matter. Yeah. It doesn't matter because the movie's brilliant about setting her up as a paragon of modern power. She's she's a she's a woman and a feminist. You know, she's part of like the really the civil rights movement, which is a huge. Well, wait, we don't know that she is that. She's in a movie where she's part of the civil well, rights movement. Okay, but, but I mean, like, let's we can infer pretty clearly that, that well, she's a put together well, independent lady at least. I, I okay, so let's let's talk I about that because I'm curious. No, we I, let's we can, we will get back to it after. Okay, I'll point. I'll table it. Keep Table talking. It, keep talking. Put a little pin in it. Jeez, I I, I got you. I got you with that one, huh? Keep okay. Going, so going. she has money, as you mentioned, and she's she's self assured and smart and able to make her way. She is she is on her own, capable, and she's and she like you said, they give the kid the best, the most cutting edge science, the smartest, best shrinks in the world. Every power that the modern world has, the the faith of modernity is put absolutely to the test and totally fails. And she's left just in tears, broken down, miserable, going to priests and begging them to perform an exorcism on her kid. Like, mm -hmm. that's a failure of, of the church of modernity, such as it is. And I love that. It shows that there is a powerlessness that we human beings face, even at our absolute apex. So yeah. it just completely anticipates the arguments of, well, if she had more money and says, no, the money isn't like the money and power. You could be Pharaoh and this, this shit would bring you to your knees. That's just how it is with the universe. Mm -hmm. So about that feminism point. So 
I was going to say, I mean, there's not really much to go on, but one of the things that always catches my ear when I watch the movie is she mentions how she doesn't even smoke pot. And to me, <laughs> that, I mean, that's that doesn't seem that significant. Well, no, but it doesn't seem that significant. But it's like, well, wait, why doesn't she smoke pot? And maybe she's not as deep into the sort of counterculture that's I don't going know, the thing on. Is, the, well, no, the thing is that the saying you don't even smoke pot means you mm. hang around with people that smoke pot and it's just a normal thing in your life, even if you don't smoke it. I mean, someone that's conservative, it's like... Would, well, I'm not saying she's no. conservative. I'm just saying, is she like... I don't... I, like, I don't know that we know that she's a feminist is all I'm saying, like just from the, you know, from everything that we've seen. Like, well, I mean, the thing is, she is a single mom in, you know, 1971. If we're going by but that doesn't that doesn't make you a feminist. That makes no, you a single mom. But, but I'm saying that she that I don't know, just the whole setup, just the people she associates with. I mean, I, a lot of this is me bringing stuff from the book, I think, too. It's the stuff that's been in my head. But I just feel like this is the liberal Georgetown Okay. You know, okay. That scene. I just feel like all the trappings around there speak to me of being wealthy liberals in the seventies. Okay. I just okay. feel like all the pieces are there, but I, I, I need, I need, I would need to go back to the book and elucidate. Like, yeah, and and I, I read the book recently. I wasn't really looking for that, so I don't know. Just yeah. going by memory, if it's there, but I, again, I, was, I just feel like it's uh I, I don't know. It's not as um. It's not as. It doesn't seem to because the the only stuff that. I can point to is stuff that's in the movie that she's in, which then makes me say, well, is that just put there to almost is an illusion? Do you know what I mean? Like, um, but I don't know. I don't well, know. What, was, I mean, what this... was her comment? What was her joking comment about the scene that she makes afterwards? Uh, I'm trying to think. Um, oh, never mind. Go keep going. I'll come back to it. <laughs> oh, when, when she's filming the scene at the school? No, like after that, she's talking to someone about the scene she shot and she make, I think to her assistant or something. And she makes. Oh, I can't remember. I know she didn't like the whole thing of like, why are they? Why do they want it? It was the Disney version of something. And it just it just felt to me like, you know, it made me feel like she was somewhat on the left because she's going, this is the watered down crap version. I get you. So, you know, it's like she felt like this is this movie is kind of a sellout image of that thing. That's it. So that is another clue. Okay. It's actually. She's talking to doctors like they're bagging her groceries later on in the film. Like, even if you were a a woman, which is another liberal thing. But uh... (laughs) yeah, no, that's that's such a girl boss move nowadays. I mean, like. And again, that got brought up as like that's a Karen moment for my girlfriend. And I think that she's she's missing the nuance of what it meant to be a Karen we, in the sixties. You were a hero in the sixties if you were a Karen. Well, I get the Nowadays, thing is you can't you can't take a term like Karen and project it back into the past before people yeah, even yeah. had a concept of Karen. It's 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 like it doesn't it's you're gonna you, you it's not necessarily gonna hit. Well, targets it, okay, so but makes sense. and that's the thing. Like a Karen nowadays, back in the imagine being twenty in the sixties and having having to do that to a doctor as a woman, like yeah. you had to have yeah. the kind of courage to be like, Oh, I get what you're saying. Like, yeah. She's you know. pushing back at the power structure in those. Yeah. Scenes. And, and and those, those a modern those, person would say, Oh, she's complaining. And so, right. She's right. Like, yeah, okay. I guess. It's a different it's baby as a comparison for relationship with doctors. Is I, I think. Uh, is also, I feel like that's like a mama bear move. Like that's like, yeah. if you're, if your kids are, like dying basically of course you're gonna you're gonna be irate when the doctors don't 
find out what's wrong. Like, it's, yeah, having, having, you know, just having like, okay, she went through all these tests and I'm just going to lecture vaguely about, oh, it's something in her blah, blah, blah. It's like, well, you're not, you, you've tortured my daughter yeah. for weeks and you don't, you like, got nothing. <laughs> like pretty much every mother I've ever known that's had a child that's undergone any kind of medical issue like that, not like that, but any medical issue at all, they get to a point where they get frustrated with the process and complain about the doctors or, do you know what I mean? That's just like a, I think a normal protective thing to do. Yeah, and the, um, the doctors are so, I love that scene because the doctors are clearly trying to like sew up their credibility so they can keep working towards a solution. But they're also terrified, exhausted, and like yeah. emotionally yeah. worn out by this process. It's, it's mortifying what they do to this kid. You know, yeah, I love yeah. that scene right before where they, they stick the needle in her neck and she just like starts spurting blood. And yeah. it just keeps happening for this uncomfortable length of time but, when they put a tube in there. But it's also interesting because it's not malicious. It's like in a lot of movies that do that, like you get like the one flew over the cuckoo's nest yeah. thing, thing, where it's like the institution is is malicious. It's doing stuff. It's no, it oh, knows yeah, it's not The doctor's a con man. And he's yeah. just trying to try to soak more it, money out of her. That would be a, a nice villain. That, that'd be a modern thing. But like, yeah, no, yeah. This, this movie is smart enough to know like, no, no, no. We, we need to have pure defenders of the modern church. They're steel manning the argument yeah, of modernity. Yeah. It's brilliant. Yeah. yeah. And even the, do the doctors are the one that recommend the they don't believe in it, but they recommend the exorcism as a potential cure because it could, you know, because if she believes she's in being possessed, then maybe if she believes that the possession is being put to an end by a ritual, she'll stop acting that way. So, you know, it's it, it was it, it was a pretty even handed. Again, I think that's where the documentary style comes in, where it's not necessarily telling you. Yeah, how to think about the movie. And that's, that's the key. Well, that's the thing. This movie, you know, is not a movie that's trying to scare you. It's a movie that's trying to make you think. That's and uh, that thinking may scare you as you have thoughts about it. But that yeah. scaring you is not what this movie's trying to do. That's just the result of it making it's you confident think. enough in its subject matter that it knows it will scare you. Yeah. You know? Exactly. Exactly. It's like, it doesn't it's like if you watch it. Well, and it, you get that. You know, you get that from being a documentary maker, because how many documentaries have you seen that have just left you just like with your stomach full of glass because of like the reality that that happened in this world? Like, yeah. and you don't even have to go something as horrible as the Holocaust, like anything like go to watch a watch a documentary about the Vietnam conflict or the Korean conflict or any modern war. Yeah, and it'll, it just you're just sick inside when you can see the enormity of suffering that, that exists in the world. You know, and documentaries, they know, they know, they're well, aware, like they have to be cautious with it. Cause they're like, look, there is more horror here than a human being can tolerate. Like we, there are war photographers that don't come back altogether and they never fire a bullet. No one ever hurts them. And they just fall apart, mm -hmm. you know, just cause of what yeah. they've witnessed. It's, it's so nightmarish that like, they're kind of gentle with it. Well, that's, and this, that's where, oh, go ahead, go ahead. Oh, this movie this movie isn't gentle so because it's no. fictional it doesn't have to be but it has that same confidence is what i'm saying well i think that's where the documentary style and the source material really work well together because on the one hand that all the stuff you're talking about threads through all of these movies where it's all about the problem of evil and how if a child can get cancer and die like you know where is your just god right like that's sort of and this movie is the epitome of that this is a child going through all of these horrors and nobody, none of the adults can do anything to stop it. And there's even, I think there's a scene in the book. I don't remember if it's in the movie or not. It might be in the director's cut 
but there's a scene where the where the where uh, Father Marin says basically the reason that the devil is doing this is so that we'll lose faith. Like it's an they're they're attacking us through this child because they they want us to feel like it's hopeless, right? And so I think that a documentary style is really good at capturing that because, like Adam was saying, it's like all they have to do is show you the MRI machine. All mm-hmm. they have to do is put a camera on it and show you the horrors of the world, and that's kind of enough to to get to give you that feeling in the pit of your stomach that like the most you know clever use of shadows and lighting are not going to do. Mm-hmm. Um, the obsession that a lot of writers have, writers like to, I, I'm a writer, I, I know how, how clever we think we are. We'd like <laughs> to think that we're able to reach in and feel the emotions of, of our audience and, and manipulate them. And the fact is, that's not like genuine, you know, there, yeah. there's an artificiality mm-hmm. to it. Whenever you just are presented with a fact and must form your own emotion out of it, that's a lingering and powerful emotion that yeah. comes from a deep and sincere place. And this movie understands that it can make you do that. And if you engage with it, if you take it as this is a reality, it does. And it hits like almost nothing else. The The most scared I have ever been watching a movie was watching a documentary about uh, mountain climbing when I was a kid. While at a campsite, we had like an outdoor movie screen and we we're watching this it, you know I, it's kind of like a drive-through situation but without the cars and oh, and, and it was all this. about these mountain climbers they were explaining it and at one point somebody falls i think i don't think they die i think they just fell and they had the rope but they really like you know kind of explain the threat of falling and how it works and then the guy falls and you're out and you know you're in the woods you know watching this thing and you're kind of close to nature and something about the reality of all that where you're just like oh I could die, you know, just that like, <laughs> that feeling. That's what every movie waking does. moment in Alaska, yeah. for the record. <laughs> but you know what I mean? It's that feeling of, oh, this really happens to people. That's what this movie is, even though it's about something that doesn't really happen to people. Do you know what I mean? It's yeah. like a, uh, so it's that kind of a thing. Um, well, that You know what? That's actually the perfect way of describing the horror of this movie and whether or not it has horror. The moment when you internalize emotionally, this is really happening to this little girl. That's when the horror hits you completely. Yeah, yeah. You know, when it's real to you, it's something that no other movie really knows how to... I, I guess something like Halloween comes pretty close. It's it's so believable. It's so much like, this could happen. This, this might be happening. There might be someone in my house. That feeling that I got from Halloween, it's a sister feeling to this one. That, that feeling of the reality and, and the horror in the face of it, the helplessness in the face of it. That's what this movie presents. So, and I, I'm willing to admit there are people that just don't, maybe they're just far too far into the cynicism, even further into cynicism than me, a lifelong avowed atheist, <laughs> where they can't even imagine having a moment of doubt about their own perception of the universe. And this, they know for a fact this is, this like they, they just cannot immerse in it at all yeah. they can't accept th- this even this molecule of fiction you know good well, for I mean, them. most, most religious have, people but... most religious people don't even wouldn't even take it seriously right like it's not oh. even like a question of uh of you know it's, it's just like you, you could you could you could find the biggest believer in god and you know the church or whatever and if you told them, oh, my sister's being possessed by the devil, they're They'd probably like, going to look yeah, like, crazy. Yeah. Well, I mean, the movie the movie makes that point. The church isn't yeah. taking this seriously. I mean, they do yeah. they do they do send out a guy, but they're still not taking it seriously. Yeah. 
Well, but they send out a guy, and this is the thing that I find kind of unnerving about that scene, the, the, bureau, the bureaucratic scene that you, you mentioned. They don't take it seriously in terms of they think a demon has possessed someone and they need a priest to combat it in the name of Christ. They think yeah. about it like, well, okay, the doctors have recommended us for psychological reasons, therefore we should find someone who put on a good show. Yeah. Like, even the church... <laughs> the, they were like, kind of removed from it. Yeah. yeah well, I like think there's, also there's this is kind of grappling. Investment. This is also maybe sort of grappling with Vatican II issues and things like that, and just sort of the modern world. Oh yeah, no, it's a Vladdy movie. So yeah, there's, there's yeah. a lot going on. Uh, <laughs> it's never one. But I, I. But but yeah, I, I, but I think that's you know that's that that is interesting. They are they are. I I do get the feeling that the guys I forget what their positions were in the church hierarchy, but the two guys who made the choice. <laughs> They did. It didn't feel like, like I was saying, why not send like five priests to go make sure everything goes to plan? If you, th if you think the devil is in this little girl, shouldn't you send like five priests and maybe a cop or something just to hope? I mean, like <laughs> just to if hedge you're your battling best. a demon, it feels like you need the, the biggest gun you can bring to it, you know, and just or, yeah, or just somebody to make sure that that Marin doesn't fall over and die. Right. Like, you know, the. Um, He's like that frail God. He was going all over the Middle East. He he practically died walking behind the people that were engaged in prayer in Iraq. Remember, there's that scene where he's walking down the road and he looks like he's barely alive. Yeah, it was you know, hot. I would have. It wasn't like just that. that it was hot. He's he's like all shaky and stuff when he's having the like like. This is a guy who's on his lap. Like you look at the character and you're like, this guy is going to die any moment. That's. All right. I, if we're going to talk about the Iraq scene, as someone that used to live in the Middle East, I have to bring up the point, the beginning of the movie, they explain why all of this happens. It's the, it, clearly the reason the dig was cursed is because at the beginning, there's that music, there's someone singing. That's a Muezzin's cry. That's like a Muezzin calling people to prayer. And they're all just working away with their pickaxes. No one's headed to the mosque. No one's getting their prayer mat. Yeah, that struck me as weird, dude. <laughs> I'm like, well, and, there, and there's that this whole the call to prayer, guys. Put down your pickaxe. Well, I've also I've often wondered about the scene where they're in prayer and he's walking behind them and what that's supposed to mean because it's such a contrast. Uh, yeah. he's walking in this direction down towards the bottom of the screen, and it, you know, so that's an interesting point. Um, I mean, I don't know if it's delivered. They just used generic Middle Eastern music and didn't realize the mm -hmm. significance, or you know, because I mean, the Wesson's cry is a pretty common thing you can get a soundbite of because it happens repeatedly every day. It's, and it's and it's a good way to indicate where you are. Yeah, in terms of the I like sound engineering. Movies, it is used generically. Oh, we're in the yeah. Middle East, which yeah. is actually a fair indicator because you do hear it. Yeah. But uh, but I would say in this movie they were probably. Probably more conscious of those kinds of choices. I, I, I agree with no you. Vladdy yeah. strikes me as someone that and that, that would get that. So it, it could be deliberate in this case. So, but but yeah. So I don't know. It's uh, uh but I think uh, what are we going on? We're already at an hour, so we should probably, we should probably <laughs> yeah, we probably off. should have started. What's uh, our it's... what's our final? Final. Uh, are we saving, still rating movies? I was at the saving end of this, the Wesson's cry thing for my final thought, and we went on so long. I've used up my final thought now. So yeah, that, you're that's a good final thought, like, though. Yeah, that's. I think you got us beat. That's the. That's the most academic final thought. I think. Yeah, that's, all right. It's, okay. uh, it's based on real experience too. That's damn impressive. Yeah. Like I grew I will, up in a trailer court. I got nothing on that. <laughs> <laughs> I shut down your final thoughts. Then no final. Oh, that's okay. Birth shut down my final thoughts. Yeah. I, okay. Um. 
let's see, final thoughts. I'll do, I'll do my final thoughts on this one. This is the second time I've come to it. And I kind of came to it as a as a young man, and then as a closer to a middle aged man now. I'm not quite middle aged, but like I'm I'm getting there. I'm getting there. Um, and I got to tell you, like I, this movie hit much harder the second time, and maybe it's because it's, since I first watched it, I've lost loved ones, and since I've uh, lost it. I've had a much, a lot more grappling with my like internal faith and like how I feel about the cosmos and death and things like that and morality. And since then, I've become a father and I've had to see my kids go through medical procedures. They're fine now, for the record, listeners. They're 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 healthy young kids, uh, but it was tough to go through at the time, certainly. So yeah. it, it this hits a lot more than it did when I was a young man and kind of expecting a sort of Hellraiser-y Friday the Thirteenth kind of thing. Um, it still hit back then for the record. And I think it hits for the same reason now it did back in the day. And it, it's, this deserves to be a cultural phenomenon because it, it speaks to something really deep in us. You know, it's, it's mm-hmm. sincere. The characters are comprehensible, believable. And I think they're all really likable. I, I actually really yeah, like these characters. Those characters that, are prickly, but that, that makes yeah, them more part, deep and relatable. It's charm though. It's exactly. kind of like you jerks, you know, you're always making fun of me, but like, but we don't make I, fun of you, do we? No. Well, but so- most, most, mostly it's Adam. But like, to be fair, <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, you know, we, that's like how we relate to each other. It, exactly. It's wonderful. It's from, it comes from a loving place. It, it does. You know, we feel comfortable around each other. It's it's nice. Uh, and just it's I'm the same way with these characters. Like I I root for them, and like the the horror that kid goes through is shocking. Uh, we didn't super yeah. get into it talking about it, but like it's yeah. actually shocking, even to a yeah. modern audience. The, the some of the scenes, I say especially to a modern. Yeah, audience. I would say it's more now, shocking now, to the, a modern in audience. In the seventies, yeah. there was more shocking stuff. It's like this real nowadays. I'm Not, I don't think that I don't yeah. think there's anything more shocking that went this mainstream. I, I honestly don't think so. No. I think this Ta- was the high dri- Taxi Driver was pretty shocking. Taxi Driver was after this, though, wasn't it? Yeah, well, but it was I, the I same thought this was 60s and that was 70s. But, yeah. but I mean, it's that same era where they're really starting to push the boundaries of, like, you know, of shocking people. And, and I will say know, Taxi Driver is shocking, too, but not like this. This is, like, almost deplorable. Like, it's well, almost like... But, it gets to the okay, but what about, like, like, Texas Chainsaw Massacre is pretty shocking, right? Like, but it's kind of a cult movie, yeah. you know? And, it, and to be it's fair, Texas Chainsaw deal. Massacre doesn't have this level of gore. At That's all. That's if true. you watch Texas Chainsaw Massacre, there's maybe two scenes. It has heavily close. implied gore, though. Like, it's got, mm-hmm. like, very discomforting implied gore. So We, we should probably do that film at some point. It's one of my all-time yeah, favorites sure. for just a movie that just gets inside my head. Yeah. Um, and pacing-wise, it's great. But I don't. I didn't come to my final thoughts on access to sing the praises of that movie. I came to sing the praises of this movie because this movie is a classic for a reason. Uh, this is what kind of the Citizen Kane of horror films, uh, especially, like, like shocking horror films. I think yeah. this is sort of the the mother of uh, a lot of modern horror, uh, like haunted house movies, uh, uh, the the sort of a hostile esque movies that are all about body horror, like a lot of stuff like that. Uh, there's a whole genre of like exorcism sort of films. All that came out of this, and it's it's the great grandma of all of them. I don't know why it seems feminine to me, maybe because the 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 kid is a kid is a is a girl. I don't know. There's some. There's something about it, though. It's um, it's more than brilliant. It's kind of timeless. And if you've never seen it before, I would caution you that it demands your attention and it forces you to work to enjoy the movie. It is. It is yeah. a thoughtful, ponderous yeah. thing. That's like watching the a black monolith descend from the sky. There, there's something 
ominous about it and it is deeply affecting and you will think about it at great length after you've seen it. So um, 11 out of 10, this is one of the greatest movies ever made. Those are my final thoughts. Yeah, my, I, I share a lot of what both of you guys said. I mean, for me, like on the personal level, like I've had more MRIs since when I first saw it. So that yeah. definitely adds to the, you know, you just, <laughs> the more familiar you are with medical procedures, the more uncomfortable this movie is going to make you. Um, I think for me, where the horror and where the, where, where I find it interesting, like just on an existential level is where it uses modern science and psychiatry to sow doubt in belief about anything. So like you, you, you doubt demon possession because it can be explained by science, but that also leads you to like doubt a, if you have a religious experience doubting that because mm -hmm. you know how the brain works you know I mean so well, it makes like, you doubt if you have a soul even yeah but but what you i'm know? saying is, is it just just, you, just the matter of your brain like it's wonderful for that and so it's very clever i think to use have a character who's a priest psychiatrist who embodies this this problem and i think that's one of the most it's one of the more fascinating parts of the movie um and and like i said i think just the the way that the movie gets you to uh just feel like this is really happening is what makes it also so terrifying. Yeah, um, I mean, there's just a level of academic knowledge under this, you know. Like I said, the doctors feel like real doctors. The psychiatrist yeah. feels like a real psychiatrist. The priests yeah. are real priests. It's not a lot of times these movies. You well, we throw a psychiatrist in the movie, but in a horror movie, but you know, there's the person making doesn't mean anything. Doesn't really get psychiatry. Like like. Like the From Beyond psychiatrist. Yeah, that's really exactly where yeah. I was going to go. I love yeah. that movie, but you don't, I don't believe in any of that yeah. psychology and, that's going on in that. Movie. And obviously, these are dated psychological terms, but they, but they sure. all seem like they would have been like this. Like Blatty feels like he researches quite a bit when he does these kinds of movies or these kind of books, and yeah. uh, and and the language feels authentic to me. I'm not a psychiatrist, but it for me, it passes initial inspection where it's like, oh no, that seems like it's grounded in real concepts that he was reading about. Yeah. Uh, also, the, the way he writes, he'll sometimes go on weird tangents about <laughs> something he clearly just found in an encyclopedia. And so, you know, it's, it's like the, the the whatever moth is like a life cycle that, you know, and then he yeah. brings it back to the story, yeah. but, uh, but it clearly came from an encyclopedia entry. So I feel like he's that kind of writer. Yeah, I like um, when you read a story from decades ago, and you're like, oh, yeah, this relates to this news story that came out that year. Yeah, kind of. yeah. <laughs> well, and this apparently was based on a real exorcism. And I guess another interesting thing about it is it kind of like in the movie, it's all about how the church doesn't take exorcism seriously. And I I don't know that that's true, but they they were quiet about exorcisms. And, and since this movie came out, that I think that there are more exorcists in the Catholic Church than before the film because Maybe it generated they that they were there was a valid critique they're like wait a minute what if there are demons I, I think it just generated a lot of interest and a lot of people coming to them saying i think that i'm possessed sort of a thing and they had to actually minister to the demand yeah. the supply will manifest yeah. maybe but um <laughs> but i i don't know but i mean uh so you know uh, but i mean it, it had you know it also had cultural impact is what i'm saying um so so yeah, so so I think it's a good movie. You should definitely check it out. Um, it's I would put it like in the top ten. I would say like if I yeah. if I had a list of top ten horror movies, it probably I, I I would I think I always kind of put Rosemary's Baby at number one usually for me. But this really? would be and yeah for me that's always been the uh, 
I mean, these lists that we give ourselves are fluctuating and I don't, I don't like the idea of a top 10 list, but I often find myself invoking Rosemary's baby is like my favorite. And there are movies that I probably would watch more than Rosemary's baby. Do you know what I mean? Like that I would sit down, but enjoy more, but it's, it's like the, the horror movie that I respect the most for whatever reason. Yeah, um, I, I kind of have like lists of movies like that too, where like it's not necessarily the movie I watch most that's on the top. Yeah. It's just you know, it's the movie that I that's like the biggest for me, like in that Honestly, little internal world. Yeah, if you're if you're ranking horror movies anyway, the fact you never want to watch a movie again to be a reason. It's <laughs> yeah, that's true. Them. That's true. That's a good so, point. It's a very yeah. good point. Uh, <laughs> there's, there's a couple of movies I've seen that like. I, I would recommend them because they're so shocking and, and horrifying that um, I don't ever actually want to watch them again. So, yeah. 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 That's, I mean, that you know, and then, and then there are movies that you put them in and it's like, oh, I'll just watch this anytime. Right. So, you know, yeah. Just, Alien springs to mind. Yeah. 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 Video drum. I love video drum so much. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, God, I need so, to watch that again. Yeah. Cronenberg <laughs> is deeply disturbing, but highly rewatchable at the same time. Does it, does he have a new movie out? Yes, he does. Crimes of the Future, which I've been avoiding anything about until I okay, see it. Okay, so, so we won't we won't well, get into that. Well, well. but, hey, but hey, so honestly, oh, the like, one thing I would say is people should watch the original version of the movie and then watch oh, the director's cut because I think the director's cut yeah. is the one that has her walking up the stairs upside down, yeah. and you know it, it, that's very interesting and obviously almost like oddly prophetic because like that became like a staple of the genre even though it wasn't in the original release of the movie but uh, you know the, yeah. I, I think that you should see the original version before you see the director's cut um but yeah so i don't know Any, anything to add before we go uh, nope i'm done yeah I, right. I think i think we got this one pretty all much right. as much as we can in the allotted time all right, all right so so we finally fit. I mean, it feels like this was cursed because we had so we there's such a gap between episodes, but we finally got to the extras. I think we're going to do like Italian horror movies or something. I don't remember where we were going next. We, let's, that, go that into, let's, go, let's go into, into Blatty's comedy movies. We can do like a shot in the dark, <laughs> one of the Pink Panther movies. So <laughs> that'll be a good follow up. We'll so, cheer uh, us up. So, but so whether it's the Pink Panther or Suspiria, <laughs> you know, we'll, 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 we'll see. But until next time, we will talk to you later.